Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Other Woman and the Wife, where we discuss why infidelity exists and what we can learn from it. Today, I have a reoccurring guest, Christine. Christine, so lovely to have you back on the podcast. It's lovely to be back. Thank you. Yeah, we loved what you shared with us last time and you posted something recently that had me up in your DMs with all (laughs) kinds of questions. So I will go ahead and get us started by sharing that little bit of the podcast with everybody who is listening to us because this shit needs to be loud. I don't know who needs to hear this, but honey, that man is not your soulmate. No, he's not your twin flame. There's no soul contract. There's no karmic debt. There's no mysterious divine force drawing you towards this man. You are addicted to chaos and you have low self-esteem. Yes. You lack boundaries, you lack self-respect, and this makes you weak and undisciplined. While it is so much more fun to tell yourself a whimsical story about some divine outside force that is bringing you and this man together, that call is coming from inside the house. That call is coming from a part of you that you like to ignore, that is constantly reliving the story in your bones that you have to work to be loved. And if you just figure out the right magical formula, you can make distant, uncaring, selfish people suddenly give a shit about you. And this is because you're still taking your parents' inability to love you correctly personally, instead of realizing that it's more of a poor reflection on their character than yours. And the reason why this call from inside the house feels so mysterious and otherworldly is because it lives in a part of you that you refuse to sit with and tend to. The void sitting in the pit of your stomach that you're always trying to fill. The emptiness in your abdomen that you are constantly running from. And because of this emptiness that you refuse to tend to, you were like a child. And the universe is always offering you a choice between a jar of cookies and learning how to cook for yourself. And you choose the cookies every time. They're not nourishing. They're not going to sustain you long-term, but my God, they feel so good right now. The sweetness of temporary gratification wins over every single time. But the thing is, is when you're done with your jar of cookies, your twin flame, your soulmate, your karmic contract, you're still going to be hungry and you will always be hungry. As long as you're continuing to choose a jar of cookies over learning how to sustain yourself long-term. That is one of my favorite TikToks on the planet. And you recorded it. So firstly, what compelled you to record it? It was a few different things, but I've been really into cult documentaries lately. And I watched the documentary on Netflix about twin flames. And I've also been like, I'm a very deeply spiritual person. So I've been in the new age community, more or less online for a long time now. And It was just like seeing that documentary and then just having my own experiences with watching people move through poor relational choices over the course of their lives. I just got to this point where I was like, I'm so tired of watching people tell themselves these whimsical stories about what they're doing to themselves. You know what I mean? Like it's, the story is important, right? Because the story is important to everybody, but For me, it was important to be like, maybe the story is not what you think it is. Maybe it's not like some weird otherworldly thing. Maybe you are just traumatized and you don't like yourself. And that's why you allow people to walk all over you. One thing that I'd noticed in particular in this like twin flame documentary, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's pretty freaking wild. I fucking saw it. (laughs) It made it true. Yeah. And the people who buy into this idea, at least in in that documentary in particular, I just noticed how lost they were and how much they were just so desperately seeking someone outside of themselves to tell them what to do and what to believe in. 
And I feel like a lot more of us can relate to that than we're willing to admit specifically in the context of relationships. And I think a lot of us will tell ourselves this story to avoid doing the real work, right? Which is that like, you need to deepen into your relationship with yourself more than you really need to be like chasing this external source of validation, right? And that's like the metaphor that I talked about, like this external validation is like a jar of cookies. Whereas like when you learn how to validate yourself and sustain yourself long-term, you're less likely to like take the bait as often for these dramatic, chaotic relationships that bring nobody happiness and they don't bring anybody peace, you know? And so I actually had these words brewing in my mind for a few days. Like I'd go to sleep thinking about it and then I'd wake up thinking about it. And I was like, okay, I just need to make a video and see where it lands. And it's always dicey pissing off the new age girlies on TikTok. I will say that I did get a hate message over it, which was really funny. Oh, I definitely want to hear that. Oh yeah. this <laughs> It was actually kind of sad. It was both funny and sad for me, but I was like, this person was like, hey, bitch. <laughs> they were like, keep your thoughts about twin flames to yourself. Nobody cares, you know? And then they made some like comments about my appearance and they're like, you know, keep your comments to yourself, you ugly white bitch. And I was just like, that's really interesting because I can only assume that the only, like the reason why you would lash out in such a destructive way is because of what I said, like really resonated on some level. And this, and that's the kind of like lack of discipline and low self-esteem that I even talk about in that video, which is even makes it even more hilarious to me because you're holding me responsible for how you felt hearing what you heard, right? Like most emotionally mature people would be like, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm just going to keep scrolling. But then like to go out of your way and like lash out at somebody over how you felt about what they said. Like, it's like interesting to me. So yeah, dude, it's a total defense mechanism. Don't you dare butcher the story I'm telling myself. Mm -hmm. It was so interesting because it was like silencing, right? Like they obviously were making an attempt to get me to shut up and like feel bad about what I said. Right. And if you are the other woman in your relationship and you love this podcast, you would love the other women community. The other women community is a membership program designed to help other women just like you reclaim their relationship with themselves and heal from their affair. We provide a safe and supportive environment for you to open up and talk about your experiences. We give you the tools and resources you need to grow into an authentic, empowered individual. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing journey, head on over to theotherwomanandthewife.com backslash community to learn more about the membership and all it has to offer. It was so obviously just like a, I want you to stop talking when it's like, you could have just like decided to look in the mirror and be like, what about me is so upset by this? What mm -hmm. this random, I assume it's a stranger. I hope it's a stranger and not somebody I know, but I've just, I've never been compelled in my life to get so worked up by like a TikTok video that I've like verbally lashed out at somebody, even if what they said like really hit home. And obviously I'm like, if you're that chaotic towards people you don't know, I can only imagine what you think you're doing to your twin flame right now. <laughs> like... Oh, that is so good. Mm -hmm. That is so good. If you can't even see that the behavior you're in acting in front of a stranger yeah. is chaotic. I can't imagine what your actual life is like. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was or how you even like lead yourself in your own life. Yeah, that's kind of where that's kind of how I felt about it. I was like, this is actually really sad. And I also, to be honest with you, was like, of all the things that I've said with my whole chest on the internet, I did not think that this would be the one that I would get hatred over. But people are very serious about their relational dynamics. You don't know who your content is going to get in front of and you don't really have control after you hit publish or post or whatever the button is. And so, yeah, for that to find its way to somebody that it resonated with in this other way was pretty profound. I think I think that was on purpose, not by you, but by something maybe greater. My content reaches who it needs to. (laughs) I trust the universe. I would love to get into what is validation. So like, let's really get into the basics of it. From your perspective, what is validation? I'm having a few different thoughts off the top of my mind. So the, the first thought that I have is getting somebody to agree with our internal reality on some level, right? And that's one of the things that makes us feel seen as human beings is that what I'm experiencing internally is not only unique to me, because you think about how we feel when we think that we're alone in our experiences. Mm-hmm. And to be frank, we don't really know that something is real until somebody else validates it on some level. And so that's the first thing that I think about. And I'm, now that I'm thinking about, because I'm trying to think about in the context of the video, right? Like somebody who feels empty and is reaching out for external validation. Typically what we want when we do that is for other people to see our value on some level, because we want to feel valued. But what's so interesting about it is we, especially in the context of relationships, we're in this constant dance of trying to get people to see our value who refuse to see it, you know? And that's why in that video, I'm sort of like, especially in the context of the video, I'm like, what would happen if you stopped doing that? And you realize that like, it's important for you to validate yourself and be like, I, what I'm experiencing is real how I feel about myself is real. I have worth, I have value because to be honest with you, like my subjective experience, both within myself and what I've witnessed in other people is that we only tend to engage in chaotic and unhealthy relationships when we don't value ourselves. So very true. And so I think I would say that a definition of validation is to get other people to affirm an internal reality that we're trying to make external on some level. One of the things that I would love for us to hone in on this episode to give people a greater understanding and maybe shift their perspective a bit is that validation isn't the problem. It's who and where you're seeking it from that maybe needs a little bit of orientation around it to set you off into a better course. But do you even know what twin flames are? First of all, before I answer this question, I want to say that I know it's an old concept, okay? However, I can almost guarantee that the way that we are talking about it in modern, Western, white, industrialized culture, is it is extremely bastardized, just like we talk about everything else, right? Just yeah. like we've bastardized yoga and karma and reincarnation and even, you know, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like we've just about bastardized every narrative we can think of for a specific agenda. But my understanding of it 
is that it's a type of relationship that is almost divinely ordained in some way to teach you about yourself. And what's interesting about it is I don't entirely poo-poo the concept because I believe that all relationships have the potential to teach us about ourselves if we approach them right. My ex-mother-in-law was like a really gifted spiritual healer and she used to say that relationships are mirrors for us and they teach us where we have pain points and where we might not necessarily be as free as we think or as healed as we think. But some of us, the problem that I have with the story of the twin flames is we use it as an excuse to stay in a toxic situation, right? Where it's like, well, he's my twin flame and I'm meant to walk this journey with him and all this and that. And so I think it's a concept that requires a lot more nuance than we're given. And you see it most commonly in like new age spaces online where it's like, you know, there's your twin flame or you guys have a karmic debt from a past life that you're supposed to resolve together. And my thing is, I don't think we know any of that shit. It's a fun story, but like what we have to deal with is like what is happening like right here, right now. You've got one life and you have a limited amount of time in that life. Do you want to spend it in this dance with this person who is ruining your self-esteem because you think there's some whimsical story behind it? Or are you hiding behind that story because you don't want to experience your life fully? Oh, I fucking love that. Are you hiding behind that story so that you don't have to take the action necessary to put yourself in a better place? I think a lot of us do. I mean, it's like we've talked about the institution of marriage, right? Like people hide behind the story of marriage, which is like till death do this part. And you can't mess with the institution of marriage. You can't violate the institution of marriage. If you do, it's like one of the worst things that you can do. And in some religious context, you can go to hell for not honoring your marriage. And I think a lot of us deep down know that's not true because we're a lot smarter than we give ourselves credit for. But I think it's scary to take responsibility for your life. And I think it's scary to realize that you've given your power away more than you should have. And most of us don't have like the ego in place necessary to handle the weight of those realizations. And so it's easier to say that there's some story that we can hide behind, right? Like one story that I see often on TikTok that I grow tired of is like women as a group blaming men for their problems. And I'm like, that's cheap. That's a cheap story. It's like, well, men are just trash. And I'm like, everybody's trash, first of all. <laughs> and we all have the potential to engage in relational dynamics that bring the worst out of us. But I don't know. Like, I, When I look around at the world and I like watch how people move in relationships, I see a lot of us hiding behind just cheap stories about why we're in them and why we stay there and... I just feel very passionate. I think you do as well about the idea of like, there's a different story that can animate us in ways that these ones don't. It doesn't have to be what we've been told. And there's a saying out there that says that everything's a sign when you're lost. And so like, if you're in a relational dynamic and you're telling yourself very strongly, almost in a manic way that you're meant to be in this dynamic and that all these things are validating it. I think you might just be a little lost and this is the best that you can come up with right now. And the task of coming up with something different or better is scary. 
and monumental and painful. And it just feels easier to do what you're currently doing. Oh my God. The task of doing something different feels hard. I think that there is so much weight of truth in that statement, because I think that a lot of the times people think, well, the hard part is staying inside the relationship. And I'm like, that means you're just living for the relationship at that point. Mm -hmm. Like difficulty really shouldn't be inside the relationship. Like I think it's up to us as individuals to deal with the difficulty of life and be able to support each other in it. But yeah, the whimsical storytelling, I get quite a few people who are like, yep, we were twin flames. We were meant to be the invisible string theory. I've known him for like 20 years. We met on Facebook. I haven't seen each other and everything just all came back. And I'm like, okay, like I will take you at your word. Mm -hmm. Now, whether this actually develops into something of greater length or duration is up to the two individuals involved, regardless of what you call it. And I just had this conversation inside the community the other day. One of the girls was like, but I'm pretty sure he was the love of my life. And I was like, man, I don't think I even can get to a place where I believe there is such a thing as love of my life because I have referred to many people as the love of my life. And I believe that line is a term of endearment for me to ascribe verbiage to someone that I feel very strongly for. But that like the idea that I would lose the love of my life is probably not a story that I want to set myself up for. Mm -hmm. And all relationships come to an end. Like the other day, somebody posted a comment on TikTok and they were like, you're going to die alone. And I was like, bitch, everybody does. Mm -hmm. Like, how have we not gotten to this realization yet? Like, are we really trying to skirt the fear of being alone by putting ourselves in relationships that no longer serve us? Well, that's the thing, right? Is it's better to be a, with somebody and miserable than alone for a lot of people. Tolerable level of permanent unhappiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like also whenever I hear people say that they fear, they fear that by exiting a relationship, they will end up alone. I'm like, have you ever really been alone in life? Like, hasn't there always been somebody who shows up for you? Like, who is really your provider of not being alone? And it's you. It's ultimately you. You either make yourself available to new connections and being able to work through relationships that are different and not everybody needs to be inside of a romantic relationship. Like I want to kill the, the pipe dream of you must have a romantic relationship in order to be fulfilled. I'm like, that's not what it is at all. Like I understand that there is a lot of fulfillment to be had inside of connecting with others, but to make it this one primary source is quite a bit of weight for any relationship to carry. So Christine, you probably lived in a world before where you were seeking external validation when really what you needed was internal validation. Can you give our listeners kind of an idea of what internal validation sounds and looks like? Yeah, I really, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, 
there have been moments in my life where I've been brought to my knees a little bit in terms of validation, right? Where I'm like constantly yearning or searching for somebody else to give me worth or love or trust, right? I'm always looking for these things outside of myself. And in that moment, when I am brought to my knees, I'm always prompted to look inward, right? And so like, for example, if I'm like constantly looking for evidence that somebody else is going to take care of me, what I really need at the end of the day is like, I'm going to take care of myself no matter what. You know, and it's like, I always like, and I swear to God, every time I brought, I'm brought to my knees, I always come back to like my relationship with me. And it always looks like things like I've got your back, no matter what, I'm going to protect you, no matter what, I trust you to take care of me, no matter what, all these things that I really wanted to hear from other people, and couldn't get from other people. At the end of the day, I felt so much relief when it was like, Oh, like, cause you can't really trust other people. 100%. You can't always trust that people aren't going to hurt you or betray you or any of that. All you can do is trust that like, you're going to do what's right for you in that scenario and that you're going to be okay if it happens and you're going to be able to take care of yourself and you won't abandon yourself. Right? Like mm -hmm. I had a huge abandonment wound and probably still do that. I just haven't realized a lot of it, but there's like a huge part of me for a long time that was like, I'm seeking certainty that somebody else won't abandon me. Right. And it's like, I'm never mm -hmm. going to have that. I'm never going to have that. Cause it's like, we've said all relationships come to an end. And the reason why I seek it so desperately is because I'm convinced that the only way that I'll be okay is if I have that certainty but I'm like, again, I, it's just not possible. And the only certainty that I can have is that I'm going to honor myself and care for myself and respect myself. And that sets the tone for every other relationship in my life. And sometimes it has to even look like this weird depersonalization where it's like, all right, Christine, I know that you're like losing your freaking mind right now and you feel lost and all this and that, but like, I've got you, like, I've got this. You know what I mean? Like we're smart enough to handle whatever's coming, we're resourceful enough, we have enough grit, we've lived through everything we've lived through thus far. That's where I find my peace and my inner resilience. And I come back to that lesson all the time. It's like whenever I find myself, I feel myself internally like yearning for something outside of me. I always ask myself, what do I need to give me? in this moment. And the thing that is hard about this is a lot of us don't trust ourselves because we keep betraying ourselves. You have to almost rebuild a relationship with you where you like, if you say like, if this person cheats on me or whatever, I'm walking away, then you got to follow through on that promise to yourself, no matter what they have going on. Or if this deal breaker happens in a relationship, or if I start feeling like this, I'm going to do what's best for me. And then you have to follow through on that promise because a lot of times we'll have anxiety about these things because we know we won't follow through on that promise to ourselves. So we try to control other people instead of realizing that your task is to be like, I am going to protect me and mine, no matter what, no matter how much I love this person, no matter how obsessed I am with them, no matter what, even if they're my twin flame, I think it mm -hmm. really comes back to just cultivating that relationship with you.
because it's not easy to give it to yourself one time, right? Like you can't just be like, I validate myself because if you've been invalidating yourself and betraying yourself for a long time, it's going to be a lot harder than just like a one-off incident. Like it has to be a pretty consistent practice. Totally. I mean, it does. And I think it's like building in the intentionally habitual exercises that I think really, really does change the way that people feel in their own lives. Because if you are constantly sitting there and self-loathing and self-hate and betraying yourself, all of that, you are going to feel stuck. And I think one of the things in that little rant that you just did that is really important to know is your attitude, right? Like your attitude is I have been able to handle everything that has come my way in the past. Therefore, I am also capable of handling anything that comes my way in the future. And one of the things I think that I've been talking at length with people about is how gratitude can actually change your attitude. And being able to look at life rather being, you know, the woe is me or the blaming men for your problems, all of that, it really does deflect a lot of the work that could be done in positioning yourself into a brighter and more secure future. I think that once I had left the affair and all of that, I saw that I didn't have to deceive anybody about who I was. And like, I was totally cool with who I was in that moment and being able to embrace really the parts of myself that weren't very good to myself and uh, being able to be like, Oh, yep, that was her. Like, and just like looking at it and being like, well, now I understand why she made those choices. Like I have compassion for who I was back then. But I also don't have to deny that like that person ever existed either. I think the other thing that I would love to touch on with you is this idea of loving yourself well. I think that people often look at that and they're like, oh, it means that I have to adore every single trait of mine. And I'm like, what? Like adoration and love are two separate things. So can you go into a little bit of what loving yourself actually is? Loving yourself is a very humble act. Um, love and like all the people that I've loved over the course of my life, I've never looked at them and thought that they were perfect, right? And given them permission to be flawed and to make mistakes. But it's not something I've always given myself. And to some extent, my relationships have been very limited because I haven't given myself that full permission. You know what I mean? Like, that mm -hmm. your relationship with you sets the tone for all your other relationships. And when it comes to like intimacy and closeness, right? It's cultivating that with yourself, I think is really about seeing all aspects of you and choosing to be loving towards yourself anyway. And when I say like to be loving, I mean to like embody love, like in your actions towards yourself, right? And kind of talk is like, oh, I understand why I made those choices. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> you know, I certainly wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, some people only have to touch fire mm -hmm. once. And I was like, oh, yep, sign me up. Sign me up, you know? 
I think for me, what has helped a lot and what I've had to do is I've had to almost like observe myself just as like a creature on this planet. Like I've had to give myself a lot of grace and the fact that like I'm a human being, which means I am shaped by my environment. I am shaped by cultural forces. I am shaped by so many things outside of my control up until this point. And I can't do anything about that other than try to be more intentional moving forward. You know what I mean? When I, in my early twenties, I had a very specific idea about love and marriage that is very different than how it looks now. A lot of people, when I was younger, it was more whimsical and soulmates and, you know, not even real mates, but just like this grand gesture of like, I don't know, just nonsense. If you really just stuff that you see in the movies, you know what I mean? The top tea and the marriage is supposed to be hard and all this and that. Whereas like my view of love now is much more like mundane every day. And it's more like I view love as a verb. And so like loving yourself has to, I feel like has to be a lot of the same. Like what are you doing every day to be loving towards yourself? Are you setting boundaries? Are you feeding yourself well? Are you getting enough movement in your life? Are you connecting with other people in the way that you need to connect with others? Because it's one thing to like have connections and relationships, and it's another thing to not feel lonely in them, right? Like so many women, at least on my content, have said like, I've been married, but I was never the loneliest than when I was married. You know what I mean? Connecting with people in the way that you need to, you're not being seen or understood in the way that you need to be, right? And the thing is, is we're smart. We know the difference between being seen and understood and not being seen and understood. It's just oftentimes we are uncomfortable with what we actually want. Like we want intimacy, but we won't contend with the part of us that is really deeply uncomfortable with it, you know? And it's grit to have self-love. I really do think that. I don't think it's for the lighthearted in any way because it's you know we see it on the end it's just like oh the candles and the baths and the journaling and it's like wrestling with yourself in a lot of ways and being like okay um what you did there was dumb but I love you and it's kind of like you kind of like like a best friend like you know I would bury up for that bitch mm -hmm. I'd bury a body for me too you know or how you have like that girl best friend who's like dude she could do anything and I'm just gonna I love her anyway you know, and you have to like bring, bring that in yourself in a lot of ways and be like, okay, you know, just, we, did, we struck out there, you know what I mean? All the time. Like I would, if I was my own daughter or something, you know, it's just like, I understand you're having big feelings right now, but we're not going to do that thing that you want to do because there is a better way. <laughs> like, you know. Oh my gosh. I love that you touched on talking to yourself as if you were your own child. Mm -hmm. Inner child healing a lot. Um, inner child. I think that's just like children are just natural and authentic. And then we lose that as adults and we try to suppress like our natural needs and stuff. And, you know, but just like, like we get scared, we're unsure. We need to be told that everything's going to be okay. You know, and we have to tap into that rational part of us that knows how to survive life to let the scared part of us mm -hmm. know that like everything's going to be all right it's a total mind fuck we shouldn't have to do it but so many of us are fragmented anyway that it just works out that way what if it was the whole purpose of our existence though? it probably is you know what i mean like <laughs> i at least that's how i treat life is like every day is an opportunity to have a better relationship with myself 
You know what I mean? Within my relationships with others. Cause like I said, my relationship with me, when my relationship with me is good, my relationship with other people is better. So much validation from other people. We put them on pedestals, right? Like in talking about like the love of my life, like you're elevating this person to a level they never even consented to being elevated to, you know? And that is a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure to put on somebody. And that's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves, you know? And we we don't need anybody on pedestals, you know, and I'm your shit out, you know? It's funny that you even touched on like, what is love and all of that. And I told somebody the other day, it's a betrayed wife who loves and hates my content, yeah. which... That's but she had said she was like, without social constructs, we wouldn't be able to measure or define love. And I was like, really? That's interesting because I've always thought love was an investment of energy that you really couldn't quantify or like, I guess you just can't quantify it in that way. And whenever her and I got into this conversation of investment and energy, I was like, if you think about it, my greatest asset in the world is my attention span. Everyone is vying for it. Everyone, advertisers are vying for it. My kids are vying for it. My husband is vying for it. But like, if I'm not taking my attention span, my greatest asset and investing it into myself, like I'm really just like a doormat. I am an empty bucket and I actually can't pour into other people the way that I want to. And so actually recognizing my own needs and wants. And I think that when people use vague terms, which I am guilty of needs and wants and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I, when I like went into my being with like a toothbrush and a fucking toothpick and was like, what the fuck is really going on here? What do I value about the experience that I'm having? I found that like my needs and wants were actually pretty simple. I desire the ability to converse without feeling like everything I said was something to hurt somebody else. I value learning. Really like interesting to be able to see what was actually being gratified within me in my own actions rather than it being like a scorecard on was I selfless enough this week? Did I volunteer enough? Was I the best wife? Like making a scorecard on the roles that I play in other people's lives was not the fucking business. It was more about giving myself understanding of what it was that I was actually seeking in my experiences in life. Yeah. That was a pretty fucking debilitating experience because there was stuff that like I was gratifying within me that I thought that I shouldn't want And like one of them was definitely attention. I loved getting attention. Attention was great. And then it was like, I was like averse to stating that truth, that like attention means something to me. And if I deny myself that, I'm actually betraying myself. And so actually acknowledging it took a bit of, it's like you said, a very humbling experience of like all of these things we're taught not to want or need. Yet when we're in an experience where that want and need is being met, it is, it's a mind fuck because then you're like, well, then why does it feel so good? And it's like, oh, and like, you can totally want that. How you go about it is up to you too. 
Well, it's even a non-human thing. I don't know if you own any like animals or anything, but my dog, when he wants my attention, he's whining at me or barking at me. It's a primal thing, I think. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are socialized out of our primal needs in adulthood for an agenda. I usually think it's a capitalist agenda of some kind, but. Say that again. We're socialized out of our primal needs for an agenda in adulthood. I think about this stuff all the time. I do. I'm like, like, I even like, so we, let's talk about infidelity, right? It is so common, way more common than any of us want to admit. There are people out there that are cheating and they're like, their partners are cheating and they're probably never going to find out about it. And there's a lot of, there's a whole body of research that talks about how monogamy isn't actually inherently natural to human beings. Now, I'm not a polyamorous person. I respect the hell out of it for people that do it. But everything that we've been taught about relationships is unnatural, I think, in a lot of ways. That like, like if we look at, and I'm probably going to say something very upsetting, but if your partner decides to go out and cheat on you we are taught that as a reflection of us we are taught that it is a reflection of our inability to keep this person happy and we're almost taught to feel responsible for it or we're taught that we were not enough for this person when in reality like what people go out and do doesn't have a whole lot to do with us so we could probably take away a lot of the pain of infidelity if we walked in that truth of like, oh, this person's just not capable of honoring the commitments that they set. It's not okay. And so like, we don't have to take it so personally. Now that is so much easier said than done, obviously, because that story is deep within us, right? And mm -hmm. It's almost like we're taught to re be so reactive about it. I see it with the way people react to your content all the time, right? Like they're so angry. They're in this black and white thinking and black and white thinking is always a result of some type of trauma. And the thing about it is we can't hold space for nuance until we heal, but we can't heal if we're still in black and white thinking. And so we don't have to take other people's choices like so personally not to say that infidelity doesn't hurt because like when somebody makes a promise and breaks it that hurts it's a very basic thing even when we're kids and our friends make promises and break them that hurts when somebody lies to us that hurts that betrays trust mm -hmm. you know well because it's also revealing of their expectations like whenever i think about like pain i always attribute pain to like your expectation not being met ultimately is the derivative of your pain. And so for you to walk into a marriage and have the expectation that like fidelity is going to be maintained, but having no understanding of what fidelity actually requires of the individuals inside the relationship is a bit of willful ignorance. And so, yeah, like the source of the pain isn't necessarily what they did, but the source of the pain is actually how what they did impacts your reality. It violates the story. The it violates the story. Yeah. The mm -hmm. whimsical story. And it is whimsical. I mean, so much of what we're told about love is whimsical. And like I said, infidelity is super common. Divorce rates are really high. The idea that we're supposed to be in a lifelong partnership with absolute loyalty came from a time when our lifespan was 40 years and marriage was about resources. 
combining and maintaining resources. And the world isn't like that anymore. It's more common mm -hmm. to have multiple partners, multiple loves over the course of your life. You don't need to get married for resources in some parts of the country. Some people still very much do get married for resources. But even in that same vein, the physical resources is just one of many primal needs that you have, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't have, a lot of us don't have conversations about what that looks like in a relationship to get all your needs met. Like I wish before I married my ex-husband that we would have had more conversations about relationships because it turns out we both had a lot of expectations that were conflicting and that created a very tense and abusive environment for both of us. It brought out the worst in both of us. We just, we walk into relationships assuming that we're all on the same page about stuff. Or that compatibility is forever. Like I talk to a lot of people who they're like, well, this certainly wasn't what I pictured when I got married at the age of 19. And I'm like, of course it isn't. Welcome to the real world, you know, and compatibility. I think like, as I've been like noodling on like the ideas of marriage, like I, I will tell you right now, I have a draft that is probably going to get released at some point this week where I'm like, I'm about ready to tell Stan that we probably need to divorce because I don't understand if there is any meaning <laughs> And fucking marriage at this point. Like, I would love to keep our relationship completely the same. Eliminate the label because I fucking idolized it for so long. And be able to continue in this fashion without a paper cage, essentially. I mean, if marriage was created to, you know, protect resources and all of that. And we don't live in a world where that is necessary anymore. Yeah. Why are we still doing it? Because it benefits the systems that we live in, I think. I'll say this. It benefits the people that run this country in a lot of ways when we are trapped in a nuclear family structure. And it's only two people raising kids. One person's at home suffering, raising kids, while the other person's busting their butt to financially support multiple whole people that are not financially supporting themselves. You know, we don't have community like we used to. The only kind of people who can have that community are people who can pay for nannies and pay for daycare and all this stuff. But it's all meant to just keep the machine going, I think, at this point. And it, it doesn't lend itself to human thriving, I don't think. And I don't want to say that marriage, like pair bonding, when people like choose to be together and be like, I want to be together as long as possible. I want to make this work. That's beautiful. But it doesn't mean that that relationship inherently means more than the shorter term relationships. Because like I said, our lifespan is like twice as long now. <laughs> and the younger you are, let's talk about being like married at 19. The younger you are when you get married, the higher likelihood it is that you will get divorced. I don't know if you knew that, but that's like a real statistic, unfortunately. <laughs> What was so weird about me growing up was I was very committed to beating the odds and not becoming my own parents. And it, it's really funny because it because I was so committed on what not to be, it almost was a self-fulfilling prophecy that I became the other parent, you know, and like experienced the same hardships as he did. 
And it was like the entire time I didn't need my focus to be on what not to be. I needed my focus on who I wanted to be and how I was going to become that person. And uh, whenever I like had this call recently with a personal friend and he, I was meeting with him and, and his girlfriend and he goes, so this is Chelsea. She is the girl who has beat all the odds. And I wanted to like throw up everywhere because I was like, statistics are like indicators of a past history of somebody else. It's not the definer of like my actual existence. Yeah. And uh, like for anyone to like bring up the statistics and like beating the odds and all of that. I'm like, man, I had my eyes on the statistics for so long that they basically projected negativity. Mm -hmm. But I really am like at this place in life where I'm really trying to understand the purpose and meaning and matter of marriage and whether it really is just like fucking paper at this point. It's just... Like my my current partner, we've talked about marriage, and I'm frankly, I don't even know if I'd want to get married again. I could see myself like, I'll tell you this: my parents are Icelandic, and in Iceland, marriage is not connected to healthcare or resources the way that it is here. So people don't get married as often, or it's like the last thing that they do in their partnership is they get married at the end of their life so the government doesn't come in and take their assets when one of them dies. Like, it's like a tool for essentially protecting your assets very late in life. Like, my aunt was with her, with my uncle, for like 30 years. They had three kids. They bought a house. They had a business together. And they only got married in like the last 10 years. You know? I love hearing how other parts of the world operate. Like that was probably one of the greatest things that I got in my twenties was traveling to other parts of the world and seeing that. And I necessarily wasn't right about anything or everything. Like I had such a attitude of projection an attitude of needing to save people and none of that served anybody really well, I don't think. I think it really fucking emptied me. But also, you brought up your parents. I need you to tell your dad thank you from my children. It was because of your TikTok video where you had mentioned your dad said there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. Yeah. And uh, we walked to school in the rain this morning. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very common um, Icelandic saying. I fucking love it, dude. And I really do like it. I'm I'm not about to be like, I'm a citizen of the planet. I don't know what I am really. I'm just a human being trying to make her way in the world. But I do love hearing the way that other people in different parts of the world operate, because I think it does actually expand the field of options that you're working with. Like even, you know, with something as simple as walking outside in the weather, like, yeah, yeah, maybe there is no such thing as bad weather. And it's how I, so anyways, well, Christine, I have loved having you on the podcast again, and I intend to have you be a guest again. Are there any final thoughts or questions you would like to share? I think if there is anything that I'd want to leave people with, it's that I don't think there is anybody on this planet 
who can love and care for you the way that you love and care for yourself. You know, like, I don't want to say that you love yourself better than everyone because we don't, but the potential, like that relationship that you're looking for of like wholeness and completion and love and care, like it really does start with you. And when you arrive as a whole person in a relationship, it adds to your life rather than like completing your life, if that makes sense. And like in that kind of dynamic, you give a lot of people room to breathe, including yourself. And I think that all relationships will prosper when we work on a relationship with ourselves. That's really what I think. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear your thoughts on it. If you've made it this far, you're likely someone who is invested in the journey of being the other woman. We understand that this can be a difficult and complex experience, which is why we offer guided coaching to help you heal and move forward. We encourage you to explore the links in the episode description or visit theotherwomanandthewife.com slash coaching to learn more about our exclusive coaching program and apply today. Thank you again for your support, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.